I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Cleve Jones moved to San Francisco when he was 19 years old. He landed in the Castro District, a neighborhood that inspired his role as a pioneering gay activist in San Francisco and around the world. I fell in love with the Castro uh, in 1973, and there have been many times when I've had to leave uh, to go elsewhere, but I always come back to the Castro. Jones became a protege of Harvey Milk, the first openly gay supervisor in San Francisco in the 70s. During the 80s, he helped organize the fight against the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Chronicle arts and culture writer Tony Bravo calls Jones the most significant LGBTQ activist living today. He is one of the last major figures from the pioneering 1970s and 80s era of LGBTQ activism. And he's a great historical resource. He remembers people like Harvey Milk, uh, Gilbert Baker, the creator of the Rainbow Pride flag, uh, lesbian activist Phyllis Lyon and Del Martin. Uh, So he is a a historical resource for the community. 67-year-old Jones has lived in the Castro for five decades, but now he may be forced out. He faces eviction from his rent-controlled one-bedroom flat on 18th Street. The new owner of his building is attempting to more than double his current rent, invoking a housing law called Costa-Hawkins to justify the move. It's a classic San Francisco confrontation, longtime city resident versus a new wealthy landlord. And it's a classic San Francisco issue, housing insecurity. But Jones says it's more than just that. It's my home. And It's hard to describe, but, you know, people always talk about housing. And yes, it's about housing. It's about having a structure in which to live, but it's also about neighborhood and community. At a recent rally, more than 200 people gathered to support the longtime city activists. He has the support of many San Francisco community members, including San Francisco Supervisor Rafael Mandelman, who represents the Castro, as well as activist and performer Allison C. Wright, who says Jones's case highlights the displacement of people in his generation. Our community is dwindling, and it's not because we're dying or leaving, but we're being thrown out. Dr. Tyler Tiermere, the CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, says that staying in the Castro is a critical health issue for people like Jones, who is a longtime HIV survivor. I think Cleve comes from what the San Francisco principles call the age generation, those that were diagnosed between 1981 and 1996. Often those folks now in their 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond are facing isolation, uh, healthcare costs, uh, the impact and decline of their physical health, and they need the sense of community they've built around them. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Tony Bravo joins me to explain the eviction case that Jones is facing and why he's decided to stay and fight back. You'll also hear from Jones, who says this fight is not just about him. He'll share what the death of what he calls a, quote, gayberhood like the Castro means for the entire San Francisco community. Let's start with Tony Bravo. Tony, there have been a lot of changes in the Castro over the years, and Cleve Jones has been a witness to it all. Explain why housing insecurity in his generation is significant. Well, Cleve's generation is one that has already survived the twin scourges of homophobia and the AIDS epidemic during their lifetimes. Evictions and, uh, in the last two years, the threat of COVID 
are the latest factors that could further deracinate that community in the Castro. Uh, Cleve and others have spoken to me over the years about something activists refer to as the death of the gayberhood, which mm. has been a specter going back as far as the AIDS crisis. You know, my worst memory of, of the changes that have happened in our neighborhood were uh, in the 90s, the 80s and 90s, when over 20,000 San Franciscans, many of whom lived in the Castro, died of AIDS. That That was a terrible thing. But it was also remarkable to see that we had survived it. Now there are evictions that are related to either things like owner move-ins, housing speculation, uh, people getting priced out. And a lot of them see this happening as kind of this ironic result of having created a desirable community and uh, place for uh, people to buy into. Changes happen all the time. And so we have to accept that, but also try very hard to steer it so that the most vulnerable among us are not just thrown away. And that is what is happening now. The wealthy are claiming the space and the working class, middle class people are being forced out. And I think that Cleve would point out that he's far from being the only person dealing with potentially being pushed out of the neighborhood right now. I am not a wealthy guy, but I am fortunate. And I have all the unearned advantages of my race and gender. I am politically connected. I have access to quality legal advice. And yet it seems that none of that is sufficient to keep me in my home. But if this were to happen to, say, members of my union, Local 2 in San Francisco, the Hotel Workers Union, this would be catastrophic. I just felt that I needed to you know, use my platform to say, uh, look, this is happening to me. With all my advantages and privilege, this is happening to me. So God help the rest of us. And now housing insecurity is something that Cleve Jones is dealing with. I mean, it's it's clear that no one is immune to this, even historical important figures like him. Describe for me how his housing situation suddenly became unstable. What happened? In February, the two-unit building that Cleve has lived in for the last 12 years was sold to Lily Pao Ku. It came home quite dramatically when my roommate's car was towed without warning from the parking space he's been using for three and a half years. And I had had no notice whatsoever that we had a new landlord, but I called the listing agent and got their number and called and got quite an earful. So that's when I knew that the person with whom I was dealing was going to be very, very difficult. Lily Pauku attempted to buy Jones out of his tenancy, but after installing cameras that monitored Cleve and his then-roommate Brendan Chadwick's comings and goings from the property and looking at Cleve's Facebook history and where he had checked in or where he had posted from, she came to believe that Cleve uh, was not the primary resident of the unit and alleged that he is mostly living in a cabin in Guerneville. Um, Cleve does own a cabin in Guerneville, and he has not been shy about telling me and other community members that uh, he was spending time there during the early days of the pandemic pre-vaccine uh, because of his health, because he is a longtime HIV-positive man with other health issues. And then when COVID came, it was my refuge. And my roommate uh, drove me up here in uh, March of 2020 as the pandemic got serious. And he said, you're staying here. 
until it's safe. And it is absolutely true that I spent most of that first year of the pandemic up here hiding out until I got my uh, second vaccination shot uh, in March of 2021. So this landlord starts monitoring Cleve's coming and goings and determines that he's not primarily living in that house. Uh, Why does that matter? Why does that give her grounds to kick him out, essentially? It allowed Ku to initiate something known as a Costa-Hawkins petition with the San Francisco Rent Board, which essentially claims that Cleve was the last original tenant and that he is now vacated, which would allow her to bring the rent up from its rent-controlled price up to market rates. Cleve has been paying $2,393 a month. She has proposed raising the rent to $5,200 a month as of July 1st. She sent uh, Cleve a letter stating as much. At first, I, I, I thought, I'm just going to walk away. And I felt a, a sense of relief for about two hours. And then I felt guilt and shame and anger. And then when I read her petition to the rent board, it was just so full of outright lies and misinformation, falsehoods. Ku has now said that she wants there to be a hearing with the San Francisco rent board to determine Cleve's residency, whether he resides uh, in San Francisco or at the property in Guerneville. She has said that uh, she will abide by whatever is decided in the ruling. More with Tony Bravo and Cleve Jones after a quick break. Jones will share what's at stake if longtime residents like him are forced out of neighborhoods like the Castro. Also, his landlord, Lily Pauku, responds. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Tony, before the break, we learned about the tension between Cleve Jones and his landlord. There's a pending decision from the San Francisco Rent Board. In the meantime, what has Jones decided to do? Cleve had planned to vacate the property. He announced at a tenants' rights rally that he was speaking at, though, that he has decided that the issue is bigger than himself and that he has decided to stay and fight the Costa-Hawkins petition. This was not a fight we sought. This is not a fight we want. This is not a fight for which we are prepared. But I have come to the conclusion that this is not a fight from which I can walk away. Cleve is a man that also, because of his activism, because of who he is, is able to bring significantly more attention to this issue than perhaps somebody who was not connected in the activist community. I just thought, oh, you know, I think people expect better of me. And I think Harvey Milk would expect better of me. And I I expect better from me. I'm not happy about it, but I'm, I'm compelled to fight it. Obviously, Cleve Jones is very beloved in the community. He held a rally. Hundreds of people showed up to support him. How has the landlord responded to the attention on this issue? Has she sort of doubled down on her position? What is what is she saying? 
She has absolutely doubled down on her position. Lily Pauku believes that she is in the right legally. She believes that Cleve does not live there or does not live there as a primary residence and that he is using his status in the community as an unfair way to gain support. As she has stated repeatedly, it is her belief that Cleve's primary residence is in Guerneville. And she has also, in the past week, uh, suddenly become active on Twitter. She started an account by the name at Japan Food is Yum, where her display name is Cleve Jones's landlord. And mm-hmm. she has become very active in responding to comments and criticism about the situation. She repeatedly has made comments to the effect that she does not care if Cleve is famous. Everybody must obey the law. Mm. So this has become a pretty tense situation. Um, and really what's going on is, you know, this story about Cleve Jones is really highlighting what seems like a classic San Francisco conflict. This is an older LGBT activist versus a young, very wealthy landlord. Um, and it's a tug of war that, you know, resonates with so many people in the city. What are the larger implications of this particular battle, though, from your perspective? I think it goes back to that issue of uh, losing the neighborhoods. The people that we now call LGBTQ created neighborhoods in, in cities all across the world. And out of those neighborhoods came three very, very important things which are now at risk. The first and most obvious is political power. When we are living together in high percentages of select precincts, we have the ability to elect our own and defeat our enemies and pass legislation that benefits people who have never even visited a neighborhood. When we lose these neighborhoods, we lose the cultural vitality that happens when creative people, uh, poets and sculptors and writers and dancers inhabit the same space and share their vision. And perhaps most important is that we lose the ability to provide the specialized social services that are so critically important to the most vulnerable among us, our kids, our seniors, people like myself who are long-term HIV survivors, transgender individuals. All of these folks benefit from these models of care that have been created within these neighborhoods. And again, people who have never lived in the Castro or even visited it or any other neighborhood also benefit from what we've learned about providing these services. So defending the neighborhoods, enabling LGBTQ people to have community, to live together, uh, is very important. And it's not just sentimentality driving me on this. We talked about uh, some of these fears earlier this year, actually, uh, when the format was changed uh, at the Castro Theater, when another Planet Entertainment uh, took over the management of that space. Uh, With real estate in San Francisco as desirable and as expensive as it is, I think that this will only continue to be an issue, not just in the Castro, but in many neighborhoods. And what happens next? When will we find out whether Cleve gets to remain in his home? He's vowed to fight this. What can we expect to see happen? We are waiting for a hearing and a ruling from the San Francisco Rent Board on the Costa-Hawkins petition and uh, whether the landlord is allowed to dramatically increase the rent if it's determined Cleve is, is not the primary resident there. Uh, Cleve is buckling down and uh, staying in the unit. There are, of 
course, uh, other courses of eviction that uh, Lily Pauku could pursue, like the Ellis Act uh, or family move-ins, if it is determined that Costa Hawkins uh, does not apply here. For the moment, though, this is not a fight that I think either Cleve Jones or Lily Pauku have expressed any interest in backing down from. I'm hoping to sound a, an alarm and maybe let other speculators and investors know that people aren't going to just lie down and let them roll over them, that people are going to organize and we're going to fight back and there'll be battles we win and there will be battles that we lose. But people need to stand up and have hope and keep fighting. And that's what I learned from Harvey Milk. And that's what I'm trying to sustain even now as I get old and, and tired, but uh, I don't have a choice. Cleve Jones is a longtime LGBTQ activist and San Francisco leader. I'd like to thank him and Chronicle Arts and Culture reporter Tony Bravo for speaking with me. We reached out to Jones's landlord, Lily Pauku, for her comment. In an emailed response, she says she bought the home with the intention of letting the protected tenant stay in the building as long as the unit was their principal residence. She maintains that Jones's primary residence is in Guerneville and cites that claim can be supported by a private fraud investigator that she hired. Koo also says she will, quote, be gracious and accepting of the final ruling by the San Francisco Rent Board. She also confirms that she runs the Twitter account that Tony Bravo mentioned, at Japan Food is Yum, in order to, quote, clear my name since this is my dream home. Cleve has leveraged politicians to intimidate me, end quote. When asked how she responds to advocates who say that evictions threaten the character of neighborhoods like the Castro, she said, quote, I've always loved Castro since I've lived in SF for the last seven years. I believe it is not one man who made the character of Castro. End quote. To learn more about this eviction case and the tension between Jones and his landlord, check out Tony Bravo's reporting on sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 